Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Today I am talking to my friend Dave Rubin. We are going to talk about uh, his political positions, what he thinks about what's going on uh, with the state of our dialogue in political media. And we are going to learn from him as he is an expert on how to talk to people that you disagree with. Dave, thanks so much for joining me. Allie, it's good to be with you. Okay, so for the few of those out there who might not be completely familiar with where you came from, but just have seen maybe over the past a few months, especially that you are almost constantly in the spotlight or you're almost constantly getting some kind of hate on social media uh, and they don't know that you've actually been in this game for a really long time, just tell everyone your background and how you came to kind of fill this space. Well, if you listen to Vox or Media Matters or BuzzFeed, I'm some sort of alt-right extremist and I'm uh, trying to destroy America. Yes. Uh, and uh, and if you listen to sort of average, sane, decent thinking people, uh, I host my show called The Rubin Report where we do long form conversation, sort of old school Larry King-esque conversation. And I try to have a have an honest conversation with somebody about ideas and what they think. And uh, I try to talk to people all over the political map, the social map. I'm, I'm really willing to talk to anyone that that uh, doesn't attack motives, doesn't attack people personally. That can that can really be tough these days, especially the way social media yeah. is. Uh, but before that, I did stand up comedy in New York for 12 years. I had a show on Sirius XM. Uh, I do the same things as you. I go out and I talk to college kids. I toured for a year uh, last year with Jordan Peterson. So, you know, I'm just out there doing my thing. I like what I'm doing. I think I'm doing something decent. And, yeah. I, and I really what I enjoy more than anything else in the last six or eight months is that I have bridged a lot of the divide with people like you. And, uh, you know, you guys, the, the scary conservatives, uh, are always getting, you know, attacked by mainstream media and lied about and all these things. And now I see the way it's kind of turned on me just because I'm remotely pleasant to you guys. Yeah. So there's a real interesting alignment happening or realignment, I should say. And, uh, I'm just trying to navigate my way through it. How do you describe yourself politically? Well, I'm a classical liberal. I, I believe that we should have individual rights. I believe in logic and reason. I believe in limited government, laissez-faire economics. Um, and I would always prefer that the private market deal with whatever your problems are. That doesn't mean that there is no answer for government. So people always ask me, well, Dave, it sounds like you're a libertarian. Now, I don't mind if someone said to me, yeah. Dave, you're a libertarian. I, it doesn't bother me that if someone yeah. says you're you're all right now. There's a racial connotation and all sorts of things. They're trying to destroy your uh, your career. In effect, they're trying to destroy your career, but it's also they're trying to destroy you as a human and all those things. So okay, that's one thing. But if someone said to me you're a libertarian, I basically I believe in individual liberty. I believe in limited government. Uh, I believe in states' rights. All of those things. What I would say the 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 little difference between a classical liberal and a libertarian is is that we do see a little more utility for the state. Now, intellectually, I love exploring the ideas of how much of the state could be disassembled and what could we do privately that we currently do publicly. Um, but I do think that there are some legitimate reasons for the state. I think most people do. So I I basically yeah. would I think most people at heart actually are classical liberals if they really understood what the ideas are. Uh, and then we could have, you know, differences on the margins when it comes to certain issues. And that that's just fine. Uh, but if you believe that it is your life to live, the government did not give you freedom, but but it could take it away. And you want to do what you you want to 
work hard and earn and keep what you earn and all of those things and you want to respect differences and live and let live, then you're basically a classical liberal and that's what I would say that I am. Have you always considered yourself that or was there some, at some point, did you consider yourself firmly on the left side of the political aisle? Yeah, well, well, look, leftism and liberalism have really been conflated. And I think one of the reasons that I'm sort of on the map now is because I was one of the first people about five years ago to say the left is no longer acting liberally, right? Yeah. I mean, I did that video. I did that video on PragerU, which now you've toppled me as I think the number one PragerU video. What but it's got I about say? ten million. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's got ten million views. Last I saw, why I left the left, and the point is that I, look, I grew up in a family of liberal Democrats, liberal in the best sense of it, in in the sense of JFK liberals. Ask mm -hmm. not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Uh, that that liberal. Uh, JFK cut taxes. He was anti-war. Yeah. I mean, that liberal really has been gone. And what it's been replaced by is the, the democratic socialist who will just drop democratic soon enough once they're in power. I mean, basically socialists who believe that the government should do everything. So this is Elizabeth Warren. This is obviously Bernie. I mean, basically the whole crew on the on the left right now are just trying to outwoke themselves. And it's yeah. going to be real bizarre what they do to Joe Biden. I mean, just wait till you see what they try to do to him because he is a little bit of, a, of an old school Democrat at least, mm -hmm. but he's going to have to go bananas to get the base. And they're going to destroy him for it, by the way. Um, but wait, what was the question again? I went off. I went. Question, I still went no, so far there. no. I you were answering the question. The question oh, was oh, whether or not you considered yourself on the left, and it sounds like you did. When leftism meant something differently than it does today. But something that I've heard you talk about and I think that we agree with is that, okay, it's not just that I disagree with some people on the left, their thoughts about welfare and things like that. That would be an interesting conversation to have. It's that they're so dogmatic about if you disagree with me on policy or how big the government should be or if you don't believe in Medicare for all, you're a terrible person that doesn't have any compassion in your heart. And then, then we just can't have, we can't have any kind of discussion. So is that part of why you found yourself saying, whoa, 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 I don't think that I can associate with this side anymore? Yeah. So now to, to now link it to the previous question. So I was part of that. Look, I was on the Young Turks. They're a far left progressive network. Yeah. I did crazy. buy into a lot of that stuff. Now, I, yeah. you can watch old videos of me. I never was fully doing the all Republicans are racist, all white men are evil, Christians are awful, all that. Did I do some of it because of lazy thinking? I'm sure I did. I honestly don't even really remember at a certain level. I don't think back on it that often. But I was part of that that thing. And what I started realizing was, wait a minute, it can't be possible that everyone that they disagree with is a bigot, is a racist, is a homophobe, is a transphobe, all these things. I never heard arguments. All I ever heard was that everyone that they disagreed with was awful. And then yeah. once you start waking up to what that really is. I mean, all it is is lazy thinking. You know, their answer to everything is, well, more taxes and it's more, throw more money at this and government should do this and this should be free and all these things. All these things sound good if you're not really thinking about things. It sounds good to give more money to poor people. It sounds good to give yeah. free college to everyone. It doesn't mean that any of it works. It doesn't mean that any of it's even right or based in law or anything else. Um, but it all sounds good. And once you start really thinking about the issues, you realize it crumbles pretty quickly, which, by the way, is exactly why they call everybody these labels because they genuinely do not want to debate. This is a very sad thing for me to say, by the way. And this doesn't mean that everyone on the left, look, I have guys yeah. 
some of my favorite guests on my show have been the Weinstein brothers, you know, Brett, the biologist and Eric, the economist, Sam Harris, uh, I think still thinks he's on the left. I mean, there's plenty of these people that, that they're what I would say they are just old school liberals who are basically struggling right now because they understand that the left as it stands has really gone bananas. Um, but I think certain people, and I don't even mean this as a knock to these guys, but I think they're a little more afraid of building bridges to people like you, where I personally have just seen nothing but tolerance and decency out of conservatives and libertarians. And I go, I go to these college gigs, I talk about all my differences with them and I get standing ovations and people come up to me respectfully after, and I never see anything negative associated with any of it. Uh, so it's, it's just a fascinating time if you're paying attention to politics, if you see what's going on right now. Do you think that it's possible for us to get to a place to where we can, an average conservative can sit down with an average liberal or with maybe even someone on the far left who is a socialist, who loves Bernie Sanders, AOC, all of that. Do you think that we can get to a place to where we can sit down, have a conversation about ideas and policy? And if you do think that's possible, how do we get there on either well, side? It, it, in that I've done it, I think it is possible, but I would say it's becoming increasingly improbable. Um, if you paint your political opponents as Nazis, I mean, you can watch videos from before Trump was president where I kept saying, I was giving people all sorts of reasons not to vote for Trump and I did not like Trump. But I, w I kept saying, you know, if you keep saying that this guy, that all his supporters are Nazis and that he's Hitler, what you're doing is you're painting yourself into an intellectual corner where you can't get out of that. Because then if it's two years later and it's, I, I mean, I sort of predicted it because it's like, now we're two and a half years later, let's say, the economy's doing pretty well. We're not in any extra wars. Um, he's done a lot of good when it comes to the United Nations and cutting taxes and deregulation, mm -hmm. all of these things. Well, you can't suddenly be like, you know that Hitler guy? Remember that guy I was calling Hitler he all the time? some good things. He's not that bad. Yeah. He's actually, that Hitler, he's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, because of that, because that concept of, of using these labels to silence people and then deplatform people and all of these things, because that has become such a integral part of leftist thinking, it's making it increasingly hard to talk to these people. So for example, uh, you know, I reach out to all sorts of lefties, politicians, Democrats, progressives on Twitter, and then suddenly the mob jumps in and goes, oh, you're going to talk to alt-right Ruben and blah, blah. And then they get, they get scared, regardless of what they may or may not think of yeah. me. And, and then they won't come on the show. And I would just say one other thing, which is, there are occasionally some more like trolly YouTuber types on the left who, you know, endlessly talk crap about me and then yeah. demand to debate me. And it's like, I'm not in that game. I'm really not. Like I have a certain, I think this is probably very similar for you. I, I have a certain set of rules that I try to live by. Do I always do it? No. Do I fail sometimes? Yes. But I have a certain set of rules. I really try not to attack people's motives. I try not to attack people personally. I mean, hear what we've done for these few minutes. I, I've tried to talk about ideas. Yes, occasionally you're going to muddle some of that stuff. We're just human, you know. Um, but I'm just not, I'm not interested in talking to people just for the sake of clicks or to make a little more money or any of that stuff. I'm, I'm just simply not. Yeah. You think that it's going to be a productive conversation and that you, them, and the people watching are actually going to get something out of it. And I think that engaging, like you said, a lot of the YouTube trolls or whatever who say debate me, there's just nothing, there's nothing to be that, that's productive out of that. But I do want to talk to you guys about Bolster Sleep. I love Bolster Sleep. You guys know that. And I love sleep. 
So if you are someone who finds yourself throughout the day, like constantly needing a nap or yawning or just feeling overall exhausted, you should probably think about whether or not it's because you're just not getting a good night's sleep. And if you're not getting a good night's sleep on a consistent basis, it might be because you don't have a good mattress or maybe you don't have a good pillow, so you're not being supported. Uh, a good night's sleep is vital to having really living a good life and making sure that you are able to work hard and think clearly. So it's not really something that you want to compromise on, which is why I love Bolster Sleep. I love their mattress. I love their pillow. My husband loves the mattress and pillow as well. It just makes sure that you are supported for a great night's sleep. It is the perfect combination of softness and firmness. I could not recommend it more. You might as well just check them out. You really have nothing to lose in doing that. If you go to bolstersleep.com, you can use promo code Allie, that's A-L-L-I-E, and you get 12% off your entire purchase. That is bolstersleep.com, promo code Allie, 12% off your entire purchase. That's a really good deal. So what about, on a, what about on a personal basis? I get the question a lot from people who say, you know, my cousin or my best friend or my mom, whoever, they disagree with me. And every time I try to bring up abortion or politics, whatever, they just shut down and they won't have a conversation with me. But they want to. These are people who really want to engage their friends and family on these things. Do you have any advice for them just on a, a personal level, how they can engage the people that they love in a way that is productive? So I think there's a couple tricks you can use, and I get this question a lot of colleges, and one of them is that, A, just be a little bit better than they are. You know, often they're preaching about tolerance and they're preaching about acceptance, but they very rarely actually do it. So for, for anyone that asks you this question, it's like, you might say you're for low taxes. And what will they say? They'll say you're racist. And you'll go, what? And yeah. they'll go, well, if you're for low taxes, that means you don't want to help poor people. And if you don't want to help poor people, that means you don't want to help black people. And that means you're racist. And you could say to them, no, but actually there's there's more poor white people than poor black people and that these social programs actually have hurt the black family. And you could go into a litany of those things, but it's hard to really, that policy stuff doesn't wake people up. What I find yeah, is yeah. that if you can do, you have to do something very personal, especially if it's a friend or a family member, you really have to get that. I mean, get in their face, get two feet away from them and say, look me in the eye and tell me that you think I'm racist because I'm for low taxes or I'm for states' rights yeah. or, or, or I'm you know, pro-life or whatever it may be. I mean, really tell me that you think I'm racist or I'm a homophobe, I have an irrational fear of gay people or yeah. a transphobe because I don't want the government to tell me which pronouns I can and cannot use uh, without the threat of fine or jail. I mean, really crazy stuff. So you really have to get them to really say it to you because they really won't because that forces them to have to think for a second. Mm. I would say that one, and, and the one that I really use on college campuses all the time that I find very effective is I say to them, does anyone in this room have it worse than their grandparents? You know, because you've got a set of people that tell you America is this evil yeah. patriarchy and, you know, we're, we, we, it's true, we've done some things wrong over time. We had slavery. Uh, we, so, you know, obviously black people couldn't vote. Women couldn't vote. I mean, that we've gone to wars that we shouldn't have gone to. There's no doubt that we've made mistakes along yeah. the way. But virtually everyone in America. I mean, I've asked this question now probably of hundreds of thousands of people. One guy once raised his hand, literally one guy, this was actually at my last uh, talk, I think this was University of Delaware. This guy says, well, actually I did have it worse than my uh, 
my grandparents because they grew up in China and the communists took away all their stuff. And I was like, that's, that's actually a beautiful example of what I'm talking about here. Everyone in America, we all come basically from the same story of immigrants. It doesn't matter if you're first yeah. generation or fourth generation. Nobody was given anything here. And were, were people prejudiced towards people? Yes. Were people mean towards people? Yes. Did everyone have everything equally? No. But the arc of justice always bent towards more goodness. And that's why everyone still wants to come here. Nobody wants to leave. And the same people who are screaming about what an evil, racist, patriarchal society we are, they want open borders, which it's like, well, why would you want everyone to share in the horror that yeah. you're constantly talking about? So I think if you, if you say that to people and you say, do you have it better than your grandparents? And everyone will say yes. You know, you might have been totally. an oil. Maybe your grandparents were oil barons and lost all the money. I mean, and then then the left would love it because they don't like accumulated wealth either. But I have yet yeah. to meet that person. I have yet to meet that person too. But the point is, if you can get people to really think for a second, think, picture it. I, I mean, I stop them. I say, picture your grandparents. Picture what they had to go through. Both my grandfathers fought in World War II. Yeah. I didn't fight in a war. I didn't have to fight in a war. Um, all of these things that everyone knows are self-evident. I think you really have to get people to think, where would you like to go that is better than America? Yeah. You know? And sometimes they'll say Sweden, and Sweden's got a whole slew of problems that it's not worth getting into now. Um, but it's like, all right, if you can choose one tiny uh, Scandinavian country, even if I grant you that one, although I wouldn't really grant you it, it's like, yeah. well, then I think we're still kind of doing something good here. So really get people to understand how great it is here, how great freedom is here, that anyone can come here and do whatever they want with their life. Look what, what you and I do with our, with our life. We share ideas, how cool is that? We're able to spread the things that we care about and, and hopefully make a decent living for ourselves while we do it. And it's up to our, our fans and our audience to decide if what we're saying has value and is worth putting money into or whatever else. It's like you have an opportunity in America to do anything and it does not, no one cares. I mean, this is the thing, they've tricked everyone into thinking that we all care what gender you are and what sexuality you are and what skin color you are. I, I just traveled the country. I mean, I, I went to some, I had about 120 stops, about 100 in the, in the United States in the last Crazy. year. And I met great, decent people everywhere I went, whether it was New York City or whether it was Des Moines or Los Angeles. And we're just, we just have to strengthen those voices. That's it. And I think that we have to start, which we've already said in this conversation, we have to start in a place of realizing that the person you're talking to probably, probably wants essentially and ultimately the same things that you do. They probably want what's good for the country. They probably care about poor people. They probably say they care about the vulnerable. But the methods, we disagree on. But if we can start with assuming that the person on the other side has good motives, um, that's not always the case, but a lot of times it is, then I think that we can have probably a more productive conversation. But man, it's hard to get there, especially with the whole social media world. We've dehumanized the other side to the point to where we'll say anything that we would not say to their face, by the way. No, no. And I really try not to do that. I, I, I know. Really, it's hard. Almost, you're, you're pretty good at it, too, where you don't, I, I see you don't attack people's motives. You always sort of come back with a, a sort of factual Sometimes. response to people. Not perfect. To the, to the best of your ability, right? I mean, yeah. this is where we're just people. Yeah. We're just people. And sometimes you can get caught in that loop of craziness. Totally. You know, just in the last couple of days, I, I've been getting a ton, of, a ton of hate online. And sometimes, you know, usually I just brush it off and I don't think about it. And if anything, I think, oh, it, I'm actually doing something relevant. And that's why I have haters. I mean, that's just, that's how it is. Anyone in the course of time. 
you're doing anything good, Kobe Bryant, a lot of people hated Kobe Bryant. He was yeah. a pretty good basketball player. You yeah. know what I mean? So I try to brush most of it off. Um, but this is getting increasingly hard to do. And I would say what, what this, uh, another way you could frame this is sort of what Dennis Prager has said often, which is that the right thinks that the left is wrong, but the left thinks that the right is evil. And that's a problem because look at what you just said there. You made clear you don't think these people are evil. You don't think that they're bigots and racists and blah, blah, blah. Now, I think a lot of their ideas actually are bigoted and racist and they don't realize it. I think that a lot of their solutions are wrong. I think that they don't understand what freedom is. They don't understand the basic founding documents of this country. They actually resent them. But I don't think it's because they're evil. I think they're seriously misguided because of, at this point, I would say generations of brainwashing through academia and media. And that's why, by the way, people like you and I and Shapiro and Crowder and a whole slew of other people are doing well on YouTube where it's a meritocracy, well, you know, short of what the algorithm's doing to us on any given day, but where people can actually find content. There's a reason our ideas are working because young people are so indoctrinated with sort of postmodern nonsense that then they hear somebody talking about freedom and it's your life to live and I, I don't want to take from you and I just don't want you to come on my property and do anything and you know and then these these basic truths that we know to be self-evident we say them they t then young people watch they go holy cow that's true but I don't learn that in school and then Vox and Media Matters and everyone else calls us alt right for saying it and then it just creates this endless sort of what I would describe as really in a, this isn't the right hand motion, I'm doing a little Peterson right now, but it's more of a, it's an amorphous monster that everyone's fighting, but we don't even know where its head is. You know, if it's a video game, you'd have to go for the eye or go for the head, but we can't even find it because it's this ever changing set of rules that they don't even hold by themselves. Yeah. And that's why our, our work is uh, cut out for us, but you know. Yeah, but, but like life, you, you know? said, I think that the left underestimates how hungry people are, and especially young people, I found in my experience, how hungry they are for something different, something substantive, not just in conversations, but also just in philosophies and ideologies. They want something that is uh, has some gravitas to it. I think that that's why they like you. They like Jordan Peterson. Uh, they like Ben Shapiro. They like when I talk about Christianity and the Bible and purpose that is bigger than yourself, because really, if you go over to the left and especially the far left nowadays, days, all you're getting is this kind of doctrine of self, this doctrine of you define your own truth. You define everything. You define your own morality. There is no higher purpose outside of you. And that's how we get all of these, uh, or this idea that the government exists for you, that everyone exists for you, that any kind of inconvenience is injustice. And I do think there's a lot of people that watch our stuff that are like, there's got to be something more than that. There's got to yeah, be something well bigger than that. You've hit a lot of stuff there. Look, it, it is a very nihilistic ideology to say that that you some I mean, a lot of them, they truly believe at this point that all of their ancestors were racist, that everyone before them was somehow an idiot. Yet they they yeah. in 2019 because of Snapchat and Twitter are so enlightened and They're so woke. brilliant. And, and if only they could use the state power the way they wanted, they wouldn't make all the mistakes of the past. They could bring us to utopia, which, of course, really just brings us to, to dystopia. Um, yeah. But this is also where one of the things that, that is, is problem, problematic, which is a word I hate, but it's actually problematic about progressivism, is that they think that progress for the sake of progress is good. But there are things from the past that are good. I mean, right. this is where 
um, you know, Jordan Peterson has has helped people, I think, through talking about big issues related to purpose and truth through a biblical lens, I think, has has been deeply impactful for quite literally millions of people all over the world. But you could take an issue like so for you and I, for example, you have a more traditional biblical definition of marriage. Now, that was basically the definition of marriage that everyone worldwide had for thousands of years. Barack Obama you know, the progressive hero, uh, ran at first term against gay marriage. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hillary Clinton was against gay marriage. Bill Clinton served two presidencies against gay marriage, all of these things. Donald Trump actually is the first president ever to serve who came into office basically for gay marriage. I mean, that's, that's just reality. Now I know we have a different biblical approach to it. And as I say to Ben Shapiro, because although, uh, you know, he's coming from an Orthodox Jewish tradition, which is different than your tradition, uh, but it's the, it's the same sort of biblical root, let's say. I've said to Ben many times, and it, I've had this debate with him many times. To me, as long as you guys basically take the libertarian approach that two adults can enter into any contract that they want, then that that's all I care about. That the fact that you have a different belief, um, the, the fact that you have a different belief system than I do, what, how crazy would it be for me to try to impart as I'm supposed to be tolerant, but I'm also supposed to force you to believe exactly what I believe the second that I believe it. And that's one of the problems that progressives have. The second they believe something to be true, if you don't change the day they change, then you're a bigot, then you're a homophobe, then you're all of those things. And what the real danger of that is, is that over time, they will keep going further and further. I'm going, we're using my right hand here. They'll keep going further and further left, which ultimately will will have to destroy history. This is this is why Rashida Taleb right now is absolutely making up. Not only is she using true cultural appropriation by using the Holocaust the way she is, uh, that it gives her a sense of peace or something, yeah. but she's absolutely lying about what happened during the founding of Israel and and removing removing thousands of years of history. But forget the thousands; she's removing just the last seventy two years of history and just absolute lying. But they have to lie to get their goals in place. But what they don't realize along the way is that one day, the further that gets, it will come eat all of them because one day they will have a traditional value. They'll have a 2019 traditional value that'll be thought of as bigoted. They ate meat. And one day the radical leftists will say, they'll look back and they'll say, you barbarians, you ate meat. We're going to take your statues down and the rest of it. And that's why I guarantee you, if I had a crystal ball, it's 2062, the Barack Obama library is going to be burned down in Chicago by leftists because he was against he gay marriage. And yeah. it, it's just, a, it's a sad race to the bottom. And I'm glad that I've, if I've done anything right on this planet, it's that I've helped wake some people up to this. Yeah, I think so too. Even if someone doesn't necessarily become a conservative from listening to your podcast or my podcast, at least, at the very least, someone might say, okay, well, this can be a conversation of ideas and not necessarily a conversation of bashing someone's character because they disagree with me. Uh, has there been one subject or one issue that you can think of off the top of your head that you have changed your mind on over the past few years? Well, I mean, the, the most famous one is uh, a couple years ago. It's about three and a half years ago now. Larry Elder was on my show for the first time, and, and millions of people have now seen many versions of this clip. Larry Elder destroys Dave Rubin. Larry Elder owns Dave Rubin. I mean, this is when I was just... <laughs> 
I was still waking up to a lot of the the sort of pre-programmed leftist dogma because that's what it is. It's not that people are really thinking about these things. It's not like everything starts equal. People think about things and then leftist ideas rise quickly. What happens is all the indoctrination is leftist indoctrination. So the the right or conservatives, you guys are always playing, and, and, it, and I don't even mean to say you guys in this regard. Anyone that cares about freedom is always catching up because those though you have to think about those things where one is just handed to you as the default position. So in my interview with Larry Elder from about three and a half years ago, when I was still, I still considered myself part of the left. I hadn't done that PragerU video yet. Um, and I said something about systemic racism because it was just the default position. America yeah. is a systemically racist country, meaning it's in the system. There are laws that are racist. Larry absolutely bludgeoned me with facts. I mean, he <laughs> beat me senseless. And, I, and I've talked about it many times, but I view it as, I view it as simultaneously the best and worst moment of my career. Mm -hmm. It was the worst moment of my career because I wasn't armed with facts. I said something that I just believed because it just comes through the ether. America is racist. We're systemically Everyone racist. That. That's not to yeah. say there aren't individual racists. Of course there are, and there always will be, by the way. Um, but, the, but that the system itself is not racist, that the system has laws that treat everyone equally. Could we do more things on prison reform? Could, are there thing, things, ancillary things that could be done? Sure. But anyway, he beat me senseless, and I would say it was my worst moment because I wasn't armed with facts. It was my best moment because when I went into the control room after the show, and we were at Aura TV at the time, and we had a big staff, I had several people say to me, you know, you got to take that out. You, you, we got to edit that out. That can't be in there. And I said, no. It's not my best moment. It's embarrassing. It's actually pretty awful, but it's real. And in retrospect, I think it's one of the best things that I've ever done because by that clip showing going around, it showed people, you know, we watch CNN, we watch all these awful shows. I mean, I don't watch them, but I assume somebody watches them. And all it is is people yelling at each other and destroying each other and, you know, people that have never accomplished anything, but if only they had the power, they could do everything. And it's so stupid. But there's never a learning moment. There's never a learning moment for you as an audience member. And there's never a learning moment that happens to someone on screen. So the fact that I, I allowed a learning moment to to just be, uh, I think was was pretty impactful to people. And uh, and it did, you know, change my mind on things. And Larry's now yeah. a good friend. And I'm very proud of that. I think probably a lot of people don't appreciate the fact that you actually deliberately allowed that to go public. Probably think some people probably think that it just kind of leaked out there and that you're all embarrassed about it. But I think that that's a good lesson for a lot of people. Um, okay, final thing. If you can just give an optimistic piece of advice to people who may be in a, in a smaller, less public position than you, but they feel like they are constantly uh, dealing with the onslaught of you're a bigot, you are a racist because you're a conservative or because you think differently of me than me, whether it's college campus, work, whatever it is. I get these yeah. messages all the time. I'm sure you do. What is, uh, what is your advice to them? What should they, what should they do? My advice is be brave. That is all you can do. Be brave. What kind of person are you? Really, are you the type of person that bows to the mob? Are you the type of person who doesn't speak up? Are you the type of person who doesn't fight for what you believe? Or are you someone who will try to create a world that you want to live in? And I understand all of the social pressures and the financial pressures and the familial pressures of just kind of going with the flow and never really pushing anything one way or another. And what that will do is create a situation where you will be the frog in that slowly boiling pot. Yeah. One day, one day, all of your freedoms will be gone. All of the things that you care about uh, will be will be removed. 
humor will be killed. I mean, really, everything that makes us human, our ability to agree to disagree, our ability to create, all of these things will slowly be taken away if people self-censor themselves because they think that will keep the, the, the mob at bay for another day. So I think, I mean, this is something that really in the last year by being with Jordan on tour, it really did hit me. I mean, I think I've, I've tried to live my life this way um, and, and definitely failed at it sometimes, but it is your life. And if you don't speak up for yourself, then why should anyone else speak up for you? And it's like for people like you, Allie, and me, and for, you know, let's say the, the 30 or 40, uh, you know, YouTube podcast types that are talking about similar issues, it's like, I can say this for myself, I don't think I'm special. I think for whatever reason, I'm okay with talking about these ideas. I wonder about it sometimes and I'm like, man, is this doing it? You know, when I get a certain amount of hate or whatever, it's like, is this really worth it? But I know that I could not live another way. Yeah. Um, so fight for what you believe in because the people who would love to take things from you, they're fighting pretty damn hard. So don't just think it's all going to remain good forever because it won't. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a great piece of advice to end on. Um, if you could just tell everyone uh, where to find you, social media, and your awesome podcast. Yes, well, for now, I'm still on all social media platforms, including YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, it's at Ruben Report on all of them, and you can uh, check out DaveRubin.com and, uh, you know, podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all blah, blah, blah. All that good stuff. And you hit a million subscribers not too long ago on YouTube. Big deal. Yeah, we hit a million subscribers and they're just crushing us in the algorithm now. I mean, it's just, it's, that, that's, a, that's a whole other mess we should talk about some other time. But, you Definitely. know, dealing with the tech companies and what, I mean, I mean, if you want to do it for two minutes, maybe we should just real quick. But, uh, you know, where, if you're a limited government person right now, it's like they've really pushed my libertarian ideas to the end, to the end of the road because they could kill all of us. They could digitally assassinate all of us right now. And we're just hanging on by their good graces and who knows what's going to happen before the election. And it's like, do I want the government to come and take control or regulate these things? I mean, I live in California. Yeah, what do you I, think? I, well, I paid my property taxes on a California state website. It looks like prodigy in 1983, 1993. Yeah. I mean, it's a nightmare. So, but at the same time, there is the platform versus publisher debate. And it's very clear that they've become publishers more than just platforms. Yeah. And as someone that's on the, the wrong side of this, in that I do see that you know, my, I get emails every day. People are unsubscribed. They don't see my videos. Right. I know Twitter is messing with me now. We know that they do all of these things. It's, it's not that we're conspiracy theorists. It's like maybe something does have to happen here as much as I don't want to give any extra power to the state. I'm, I'm still conflicted by it. I know. And the more that they label someone like you alt-right, the more of a justification they have to lump you in with the people that they have already banned. So they can say, well, you're the exact same as Alex Jones. You're the exact same as anyone else. That's kind of what they're priming the pump for, it seems like. Um, and you can say all you want to. I'm not alt-right. But it's kind of like if you're a crazy person or you've been accused of being crazy and you say, I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy, people just think that you're crazy. And right. so you almost feel powerless. And so I totally, I, I understand. I don't want the government to get involved because the government is rarely on the side of conservatives. Um, but, you know, platform versus publisher, all of that, it's really hard to know what exactly the solution is because it is scary. Yeah. It's our livelihoods. Yeah, I would say one other thing, which is that I think perhaps if we treat these things like utilities, I don't really love the idea because, again, that has some sort of then government control over yeah. what they're doing. 
But this is the way we communicate in, in 2019, in modern times. And if everyone should be allowed to have a telephone, then I think everyone should have access to this. Now, if you're breaking the laws of the United States, meaning directly threatening violence or yelling fire in a crowded theater, or we have extremely stringent slander and libel laws. I mean, if you're breaking laws, you know, you're planning a terrorist attack or something, then fine. But without, you know, within, within that framework, I would have everybody be on here um, because once you start handing that stuff off, it yes, are there bad people out there? There are, but who are the people in charge? And do you trust them? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I know. It's a really interesting debate. We'll have to talk about it more uh, another time. But thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. So I did want to say one thing. After the conversation that I had with Dave, he brought up something that uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about, so I'm just going to mention it now. He asked a really interesting question, and that question was, is your life better than your grandparents' uh, than your grandparents' and uh, than your grandparents' lives were? And you might have different you might have a different answer to that than I do. My answer is undeniably yes. My grandmother uh, was raised on a cotton farm. My parents were poor when they first got married. My life is much better than my grandmother's was uh, when she was my age and when she was growing up. And I think that the other question that I would ask someone in that from a conservative perspective, I would want to say, what makes your life better than your grandparents? What happened? Uh, what went on that created a better life for you? Because I don't think it's just the circumstances surrounding all Americans. Yes, America is much richer. We have more opportunities. We have more freedom, more flexibility than we ever have uh, in human history. But I would be interested to know what choices were made uh, in your grandparents' lives and in your parents' lives that led to where you are now. Or if your life is worse than your parents' life or if your life is worse than your grandparents' life, can you point to what happened? Um, because the fact of the matter is a lot of people on the left will tell you that you are where you are because of circumstances beyond anyone's control. And that might be true for a lot of people. People fall on hard times through no fault of their own. But many times, I would say most times, where we are are a product of either our choices or someone's choices. And for me, I can say without a doubt that the reason my life is better than my grandparents' lives when they were my age or my parents' lives when they were my age is because of the choices that my grandmother made as a young woman in the 1950s to make sure she was the first person to graduate from high school, the first person uh, to graduate from college in her family, to go on to get her master's and work full time as a teacher. She was raising four kids. My uh, dad's decision to work for 10 years while he was going to school. I'm going off on a tangent here, but and my mom's decision too, to make sure that she didn't get pregnant until she got married. All of these decisions that made my grandparents or my grandmother and my parents stand out among their families, I can point to those decisions decisions and say, that is why my life is so much better. And I think that would be true for a lot of us. If we looked at the trajectory of the generations before us in our own lives, it's 
uh, I would say by and large a product of choices. And that is a part of the American dream. And that is a part of why I'm a conservative because I believe in the power of the individual more than I believe in the power, at least in this country, of circumstances uh, beyond our control. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that because I didn't want to go off on a tangent with Dave, didn't want to take up all of his time, but I did want to make sure that I left you with that thought. And one more thing, um, Dave and I have talked before and the reason why we didn't get into a lot of our differences today, like obviously we differ on gay marriage, he brought that up. We have gone in depth on our differences, uh, uh, particularly our theological differences and our differences on gay marriage and things like that in an episode that he posted on his channel. So I've been on his podcast before, so you can go to the Ruben Report YouTube channel. You can see our long, more than an hour long conversation about all of that, where I really talk about uh, my theology and my religious perspective on all of that. So I didn't want you to think that we kind of just brushed over that it's because we've had this conversation in depth before so you can go check that out if you would like and that's it for today hope you guys enjoyed the episode and i will see you again soon (laughs) 